Welcome to the best of the Tim Fowler Show. Season five will begin on September 21st with a live recording at the Remodeler Summit. Until then, enjoy our best of the Tim Fowler Show series. Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about onboarding new staff with the help of special guest Chris Beck of Normandy Remodeling in Hinsdale, Illinois. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Once again, I'm going to ask you to send in your ideas and your thoughts about uh, episodes that we can do. We'll do our best to get them on, find a guest that can answer your questions, and hopefully just help everybody out in the process. So we're talking about labor today, and most of the time we're talking about the labor shortage. Uh, how do we find good help? But today we're talking about what do you do with somebody once you find them? And so uh, it's been my experience uh, recently and when I was a, a production manager that we tend to bring people in, we throw them into a job, I mean, sort of figuratively, but they get put into a job and then we stand back and we wait for them to either self-succeed uh, or self-implode. And it tends to be one or the other. And, but what is almost always the case is we kind of blame it on them, right? Especially if it goes bad. Well, they misrepresented themselves in the interview, or they weren't quite honest about their skills when we interviewed them or things like that. And so what we want to look at is how do we set people up for success? Now, in the HR world, we call that onboarding. And so uh, this is a, a really important uh, example. It's really important that we take the time to get people to work the way we want them to work. And I want to show you or give you an illustration that just happened to me uh, a couple of days ago, actually. And, and one of the reasons or one, an example of how I might be considered incompetent for a particular job. And so what happened was I was speaking with a production manager for a kitchen and bath company, and we were discussing training and part of what they need. They need somebody on board long-term that can order all their special order uh, fixtures like cabinets, windows, you know, faucets, all those, those kinds of things. And so I was making the point to this production manager that he needs to write down the process so that when they find somebody, they can train them to the process. And right about that time, he said something about entering things into QuickBooks. And I stopped him, just stopped him right there. I said, well, here's a good example. I've been ordering cabinets, doors, windows, faucets, glass for 40 years and I've never had to enter anything into QuickBooks. And so if I came to your office and became your ordering person, 
I would fail because I wasn't told that it had to be put. I didn't know that I had to put it into QuickBooks. And so just an illustration of how we assume people know what they're doing. And oftentimes that's what leads to their failure. So the goal today is this, when we find that person that's a good fit for our company, how do we set them up for success? Steve? Yeah. So Chris Beck has been with Normandy Remodeling in Hinsdale, Illinois for the past 14 years, eight years as superintendent, two as production manager, and four years in his current role as director of production. He has added five superintendents over the past five years to cover increased production on pace this year, even during COVID, to set another produced sales record, the fifth record year in a row. Welcome to the show, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. Hi, Tim. Hi, Steve. Hey, it's great to have you back, Chris. Um, so just give us a little bit more about Normandy. And I guess, you know, the world that I live in, uh, I'm just always impressed with the amount of work you guys do. So just tell us a little bit about your volume and, and I guess also like average job size and how you guys run production, just in a, in a nutshell. Sure. Well, we are uh, we service basically the Chicago land area. Normandy's been in business for right around 40 years. We're full service design, build, remodeling. Uh, 22 sales designers and 14 superintendents, uh, along with seven in our architecture department, uh, eight in the design development department. Uh, so we've got we've got quite a few 77 total employees now. Um, we're our sales goal this year. Well, last year we did sales of $32 million. Um, our produced volume goal was 30 million this year, which we've, we've backed up a little bit, just a couple of million because we've been able to produce pretty well. Um, so we're, we are basically a sales first. We don't do design fees and development. We sell the whole job based on a cost book. So we sell everything up front and do pretty well with where our cost book is pretty robust. So we manage our gross profit very well through the use of that cost book and doing those sales up front. We don't do free walks with, with trades to get bids or anything. We have uh, agreements with all the trades uh, for line item pricing and, and it works out pretty well for us. So um, our 14 superintendents are tasked with handling anywhere from six to eight jobs at a time. Uh, two to two and a half million dollars a year in volume. Uh, and they're, they're responsible for it from start to finish. They don't get involved in, in the pre-planning. We do all of that in-house, then they get a complete job package, 98% uh, complete job <laughs> package. Uh, I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> to, to go okay, to cool. All right. So uh, Steve mentioned in the intro that you've, you've uh, added five new superintendents over the last several years. So how do you define, and I'm, I'm asking it specifically this way, because I think it, you need to know what is onboarding. So how do you actually define that? And I guess maybe a corollary to that is, how do you know you've been successful? Okay. Well, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the the QuickBooks example right here at the very beginning, because that's very uh, poignant for what we consider onboarding, because Normandy is not a training ground for superintendents. Right. We only hire experienced superintendents. So onboarding for us is teaching everything that they need to know to know Normandy. 
not to know how to be a superintendent. Right. So we, we hire experienced people and our onboarding process is to teach them the Normandy way, the Normandy culture, and how Normandy goes from A to B. We don't, our onboarding does not include training on how to be a superintendent. It does not include training on, on how to plan your day to day. It doesn't, it, it's strictly assimilating to the Normandy culture and the Normandy process. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the way I would define it for any company. I think, I mean, obviously a lot of people, they hire someone who doesn't have all the skills they want. I mean, in many cases, that's the, that's the case. So training is a, a big uh, part of this thing, but, but how does this company function? And, um, and there are numerous other examples in my own life where I've interacted with companies and I go like, well, you couldn't hire me then because I don't even know what you're talking about. And, uh, and so that, that, that's a great example. So let me ask you this. How do you know if you've been successful? Well, we measure our success on the, the success rate of the superintendent once they're turned loose and are running jobs on their own, which for us uh, can be several months. Our, our onboarding can be a several month long process. Right. Um, and, you know, it starts out with, you know, just learning, every, meeting everyone in the office. We used to, just like you said, a lot of companies did, and you've done probably several times in jobs that you've had, you hire an experienced guy and you tell him, here, go out and run this job. Right. Um, and that's really kind of the way it was when I started here 14 years ago. It was, you know, ride around with this superintendent for a couple of weeks. Here's your first job, go to town. And you kind of jump in with both feet and, uh, and you get them wet. And, and a lot of people can succeed like that, but we found out that there's a lot of people out there that would be successful if they were given a better opportunity to learn our system because they don't fail at being a superintendent they fail at existing within our system. So, yeah, so any, any stories about something that surprised you because you were just thrown out there and you went like, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to do that? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, Normandy is unique in the, the like, like I was talking about at the beginning, the sales process, we sell everything up front. So I was not given any access at the beginning to this cost book. So right. in my first interactions with the trades, I really, you know, I had a budget sheet, but I really didn't know that that how it was developed. So I would look at the job and go, uh, you know, that framing job to me is not worth $5,400. So I'd tell the guy it's, you know, it's worth $3,500. And then they'd say, well, you know, I did frame the same thing last week and got 5,500. <laughs> so when you, when you get thrown out there and you start doing things, especially with numbers from guys that are, Normandy's has, has subcontractors in the workforce for 30 years. Right. And they know our system very well. They know the pricing very well. And if you throw somebody in the mix at the beginning of that and they don't know how that's all been developed, it can cause a little bit of, of strife where they think, well, the new guy's trying to rip me off or something. So that was the biggest yeah. thing was just not understanding how the job was developed. Yeah, yeah, good. So I want all the listeners to know that that I've got Chris on here deliberately because I I had talked with him uh, beforehand about his process. And he very humbly a, a few minutes ago said that maybe, you know, they might spend two or three months bringing a superintendent on and maybe that's different for other companies. And I'm going to tell you right now, I really don't care if it's a project manager, a lead carpenter or a superintendent. 
I think it ought to be at least two months of time before you give them a job. Now, if you're just putting them on a job to bang nails, that's a little bit different. And so I want you to, everybody really listen carefully to what Chris is going to share with us about what they do so that you can say, well, we may not have what they use as superintendents, but the same basic ideas are going to be true for a lead carpenter or a project manager. So I just, just want to throw that in there uh, just to alert you that some, some really cool stuff is coming up. So Chris, um, let's just assume you, you're, you've just found this uh, great superintendent. You, you know they're good at you know, building things. Uh, what's the first thing that happens uh, when they are officially hired on board in terms of the onboarding? Yeah, well, their, their first several days um, are basically spent, we give them an itinerary of going around the office and being introduced to everyone from all the department heads to uh, our estimator, our tile expediter, our permit expediter, uh, the girls who do our billing and invoicing, the sales department, the design development department, because we found that without them understanding how every cog fits in the wheel, there's, there, there's some breakdown that goes on. there. So they basically start out with Andy Wells, our owner, and they get the history of Normandy, where we started, what our core principles are, what our values are, why we do this, what are our whys, um, and, and that's where it starts. And then they go to each individual department head, uh, and that department head talks to them. And we usually schedule those meetings for about an hour to where they can interact and have, uh, have questions about, you know, how this department interacts with me as a superintendent. Um, how does the architecture, how do I interact with the architecture department? How do I interact with the accounting department? How do I interact with the design development department? How do I interact with the marketing department? Um, because without that understanding from the very beginning with, I mean, we're not a huge company, but with 77 people, when you don't know who the bills are coming from, or you don't know who the blueprints are coming from, you're starting off behind the eight ball. You, you have to understand the whole process with so that's usually about a three-day thing um, where they're meeting everybody and understanding where each person comes into the system. And we found that to be very, very important. And we do that with everyone. If we hire a new sales designer, they go through the same process. If we hire a new superintendent, they go through the same process. Um, just so you understand the whole aspect and not just the microcosm of what you do on it. Yeah, it seems like... Um it seems like the tendency would be to say superintendent's going to interact with the production manager and the director of production. So that would be the focus, but you've got them spending an hour with six or eight other people. And, and now is there a, um, and I, I envision this because this is what I would think, but is there a, like a script that, each of these people goes through to kind of make sure that everything is covered that needs to be covered? Yeah, each, each department manager, when they hire someone, we have a basic outline of what we want them to go through. So each, each person, uh, each department head will be given that outline by the other department head so they understand where we're coming from. I just had an onboarding meeting with two new sales designers and ahead of time I got their agenda so I knew 
where they were going before me, where they were going after me. The whole thing is played out over a couple of days. And it even lists things that as the sales manager, these are things that I want you to discuss with my sales designer. Um, so I have, I have that about a week ahead of time. I have a chance to be ready for the meeting. So with these two new sales designers, all of the things that they wanted to discuss about how their interaction with production was, I was able to send them uh, homework, if you want to call it, to understand what we were going to be talking about. So I sent them uh, forms for our pre-construction meeting, uh, forms for our turnover meeting between sales and, and architect or sales and design. Uh, all of the stuff that would prompt them to have a few days to start looking at, then they could come and ask questions about those things. So the hour is used very well because when you start with the agenda and then give them feedback before they get into the room, it develops, gives them the opportunity to develop questions and, and yeah. come to you educated about what they do know, but not only what they don't know and what they need to ask questions. Yeah, that is so amazing. Um, and I think you're, you're dead on. If somebody has like, like a checklist or a, an agenda and they can look at it and they could, that gives them enough time to say, so why, do you, why is this question on the agenda? And then, then they can ask those questions as well as being fed information. They can be asking for information as well. So that's, that's very, very cool. Now, who... Who orchestrates all this? Who makes sure that this flows the way that you, I mean, like who, who gives you, how do you, how do you manage this thing? Who, who <laughs> is this like an office manager takes care of making sure everybody knows what's going on? No, it, it's each department head is tasked with arranging the times for the meetings with each individual person or okay. whoever is hiring. So if we're hiring a new architect then our architect manager is tasked with taking the outline notifying each department head of what we're looking for and, and basically setting up meetings. Uh, you know, before the whole COVID thing, it was all in person. We do have the luxury now of we've got everyone, I guess, has gotten real comfortable with Teams or Zoom. So we have a little bit more flexibility in the meetings now because we can do some of it virtually. Yeah. Um, you know, we just, we just hired a new uh, marketing assistant. And she told the director of marketing she wasn't looking forward to do, talking to production because she hardly ever deals with them. Um, <laughs> but when, we, when she was given the agenda and I sent her all of the stuff that we do, she immediately realized that, you know, there's things that I can put in my blogs and stuff about how production works with each one of our things. So she actually gave feedback that she was just fascinated with the things that we do in production. You know, we, we send out a reality letter before the job starts to say, hey, this is this is the realities of remodeling. It's going to be dusty. You know, things change. Things are going to, you have to be open to change because we'll, we may run into things. And she was, she saw the opportunity to take that reality letter and actually use it in her marketing strategy to say, you know, we're upfront and honest about, you get this reality letter before we even start to tell you how this is going. So I think it's just, it, it really, when you make people think about the question that they want, it really gives them the opportunity to relate what they're doing and what you're doing to the overall package. I guess. So that's a fantastic example, Chris, because almost everybody, and, and I, I have, I've started, whenever I'm in a Zoom meeting, I start saying everybody in the room, right? You know, everybody listening to this podcast, you know, thinks marketing and production are just like 
two ends of the spectrum. They very rarely, you know, come into, of course, we did a podcast with a marketing guy that helped us see that's not really the case, but this is a perfect example of why you need to get those uh, people talking to each other and, and interacting. Okay, so you have all these uh, office meetings, two or three days of, of time to do this. What happens next? Well, once, once they've uh, made, had all those meetings, they meet everybody, then my people in particular, um, yep. we, we assign them first to go out with the production manager on ride-alongs for usually about two weeks. They're with the production manager. And we don't... we. We used to do it just with training superintendents. I, you know, I have a couple of guys that, you know, when you get 14 guys on a team, you, you've got, you know, the really high players and you got the, the B player. Every, every team has their role player. You know, it's the hockey guy that knows he has to go out and make a hit and not score a goal. We have the same <laughs> thing. You know, we, we have role players. So, um, but it, the production manager, you know, they can then take them around to see many different kinds of jobs. We have guys that do a lot of interior stuff. We have guys that are specialists in doing big exterior remodels and big second story additions. So we found that if you just send the guy out with a kitchen guy, he's learning kitchen stuff. So we start out with the production manager so he can see the wide variety of what we do. Plus we can, we can kind of narrow the focus two individual jobs because Steve, my production manager, he knows what's going on on every job. He can direct them to see a foundation being poured and see a framing job being done and see a uh, mechanical being done and see finishes being done. Whereas we might have one superintendent that's finishing up four or five jobs before he starts another one. So that superintendent who's riding along is then only seeing the finishing. They're not seeing the beginning. So it's yep. two, two weeks with the production manager to get a big overview of everything. Then they go with individual superintendents to start seeing, you know, specifics on the job. And so, Steve, I'm so sorry. Before, before we make that shift, Chris, okay. is that, is that um, ride along with the, with the production manager scripted in any way, or is it pretty much just what the production manager wants to do? It's what, it's what Steve wants to do, basically. I mean, he has his own list of what he likes to show people. It's not as scripted as the meetings within the office, right. certainly. Right. Um, mainly because things change so quickly out there. You know, I mean, the schedule will slip a little bit because of something. He may be planning on seeing this job, but it rains, so we don't get to see concrete that day. So he has right. an overall agenda of making sure that they're exposed to each individual phase of construction with his okay in his ride-alongs, all the way down to, you know, having a, a closeout meeting at the end and doing a punch list um, so they okay. can see all the way to the end. Cool. Okay. So done. he's done the two-week ride-along. Now Now does the, the new employee get assigned to a superintendent or is it like a sort well, they, of a rotating get, door? Yeah, they get assigned to a superintendent for a period of time. Usually it's a week they'll ride with Rick. And then a week they'll ride with Brian, and then a week they'll ride with Daryl. Um, you know, you know, as long as you've been in this and I've been in this, there's a million ways to get from A to B, um, right. and a lot of guys do it in different ways, and a lot of guys do it very well in the way that they do it. So Normandy's way of doing things is one aspect of this, but being with different people and being exposed to different ways of getting from A to B, I think helps them a lot to know who they can work with in certain points. So 
we have about uh, about 85 to 90 different trade contractors that we use. So with a couple of crews apiece, so we're dealing with several hundred people. And one of the, the biggest things in riding along with the superintendents is starting to learn the trade contractors also. Right. And the relationship that those trade contractors have and how the superintendent manages that relationship with the trade contractors. So having one training guy, you're going to see one way to deal with to, with contractors. Going with four different ones for four consecutive weeks, now you're seeing four different ways to deal with people. And, and then you can take your personality and deal with them in that. Yeah, so again, sort of, uh, so is this where they start to figure, they start getting real practical training, like in how to do a client meeting and how to do change orders and how to fill out whatever other paperwork. I know you have some two-week look-aheads and things like that. So this, these, exactly. these superintendents, they're, they're physically working with them to do these kinds of things? Exactly. They're, before they ever get their first job, they will, each new person will have gone to at least four pre-construction meetings because they go with each one of the superintendents. Okay. How each one of them does it. We have a, a form that that you know is a very good comprehensive checklist of how the pre-construction meeting should be done, but each person puts their own spin and personality on it. So they they have at least four of those. Uh, they go to at least eight measures of of for existing structures because you know in remodeling you got to measure the existing structure to tie it in. So they do two measures with each superintendent. And again, we have a very comprehensive checklist of what should be taken care of during that measure, but they get the experience of each individual person of how they go through that checklist. Um, and it's just giving them that variety, I think, gives them a lot more chance for success because you see how it can be handled in so many different situations. So, uh, Chris, you, you cover so many bases with this onboarding process. And if we're talking to a smaller company, I mean, you're handling the technical side and the time that it takes to meet all of the trade contractors and all of the different employees. I mean, it really ingrains them into the business. Um, you've been with Normandy for 14 years. What have been the biggest changes in this process along the way? Because you really get that it's, it's a culture builder as much as it is is anything else to me. Yeah, well, to, to be perfectly honest, Steve, the the biggest change is that we actually do it. <laughs> to be, <laughs> oh, to be perfectly that... honest with you. Um, I love that. You know, we, we went through a long time ago, it, we went through a whole process of mapping out our entire system from the time the first phone call comes in until the time that we get finished. And it uh, we realized that when we went through that process, we got to production and it was like, start building it and collect the last check. <laughs> yeah. We had processes for everything, but not production. Um, and really the onboarding aspect where we really started getting deep into it, it was actually, we went to some training with the uh, Zingermans and it was put together through RA. It was over in, in uh, Ann Arbor and, you know, Zingerman has a very, very comprehensive onboarding thing. They have a passport card where you have to check everything off. And we really realized that we just were doing nothing. So over the past few years, it started out with, you know, we're doing nothing, so we have to do something. 
And then we started doing a better job of introducing people to the whole office. And then it was, well, we should really have a checklist for that. So it's really just been the development over the past couple of years of realizing that we needed to do this. That's the biggest change because we were doing it. It's funny that you mentioned Zingerman's, but I was in uh, Ann Arbor one time visiting a contractor and he said, Hey, he knew, I mean, I was there for training. It wasn't, I was, you know, so he said, I got to take you down to Zingerman's deli. And so we ended up down at the deli. And when the waitress came over, he said, uh, please tell this, please tell my friend here uh, what you have to do to, to wait tables here. What's the, what's the onboarding or the training that goes. And she went through this long, long list of things. And, and then, and it was incredible. And my, my, the thing I remember from it is we can hand a $200,000 job to a project manager without ever training them on what you want them to do. But this person who's serving me a $7 and 95 cents sandwich takes six weeks of training, has to learn the entire menu, has to be able to take a test so she can serve a sandwich. Like there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> you know, and that, and that was where, I mean, that was a big eye opener for me. Of course, I've been a proponent of training, you know, for a long, 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 long time, but it's just like the illustration is just so great. So thank you for bringing that up. I got to tell my story too. So, um, Come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Join us September 21st and 22nd for the annual Remodeler Summit at Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center, just outside D.C. This year's theme, Homecoming, the art of building a remarkable culture, because culture eats strategy for breakfast. Featuring two-time best-selling author Deanne Turner, Joe Cursillo, the Mind Shark, and Henna Pryor, the secret weapon for impossible change, plus 40 visionary speakers, 36 high-octane workshops, four education tracks, and of course, our legendary welcome party. Are you ready for homecoming? Visit remodelersummit.com to learn more. So let me, um, is there any way that the new superintendent gets tested on any of this stuff to affirm that they've actually learned it or is it pretty much just exposure and what the training superintendent feels about it well it's it's exposure for sure is the is the biggest thing but even after we go through this you know several days in the office of learning everybody and then a couple of weeks with the production manager and then four weeks with different superintendents when they do start out actually doing work they start out with one job they have okay. one thing to do, and they just sit there and manage that job all day long. Um, and the production manager, my production manager, Steve, he follows up with them and spends a lot of time with them, um, basically in a really hands-off manner. Um, he'll often visit the job uh, when the superintendent's out for lunch, talk to the homeowner, see how things are going to get a little background without them being there. Right. He'll also send them... Um, what way I guess I should start out by saying part of the other bit of training that we do is when they get their first job, 
We also give them little tasks of helping other superintendents take care of this final inspection, take care of some of these, manage this punch list. Um, one of the things that we really, when we hire someone, if there's anything left lingering out there, we get them to take care of those. If we missed a final inspection on a job because say, especially right now during COVID, we've got some lingering final inspections because the building department won't go out there and do it. So one of the, one of the new guys that I've got now, he's going around getting final inspections. And one of the ways that we kind of put them through a little bit of a test is for those tasks, those kind of follow up and finish things, we don't give them any direction on how to do it. We just say, <laughs> do it. Right. So go get a final inspection for this job. And then Steve will observe, you know, you know, they call the customer first, say, hey, I'm the guy that's going to be getting your final inspection. They have to look up, find out which building department they have to go through. So we don't give them every single thing they need. Because that gives us a little bit of a clue on, you know, what, how can they think outside of the box? What are they, can they think their own way through something? Because we don't want to hold their hand completely through it. We want to find out whether they can figure some stuff out on their own too. And we found that those kind of tasks are low risk because we're not working on, on making a customer angry because we got the new guy working on their job. But it right. still gives us a gauge of how they, how they tackle something and how they work through it. Okay, so um, I want you to be thinking about like telling us like any listener that's listening to this, like how do they get started? But has but before we do that, has anything changed as a result of the COVID stuff? I think you mentioned a little bit that maybe you do a little bit more by Zoom, but yeah, we we do a little bit by Zoom, and we've also kind of had to curtail a little bit of the personal side of things you know we all one of the first things was on the very first day we would always take them out to lunch right you know the owner the production manager the director of production whoever was their department head and welcome them um and then usually at the end of the week when they're still in the office we would order pizzas for everybody and get everybody together in the office along with the new person so they can experience you know the culture and and, and the fun things that we do and the the personalities of everybody involved in a little bit less rigid format. So if we kind of had to curtail that, we don't have the big group gatherings anymore. Um, our region here in Illinois has actually slipped a little bit in our, our, our COVID thing. We have a, a higher positivity rate. So we're yeah. backed out of, can't go into restaurants anymore and those types of things. So we've had to make a few changes surrounding that, which is a real shame really, because we're, we're a little bit more dry and technical when you don't have that personal interaction. So I'm really hoping to get back to that because that was a, a big part of it, that people really liked meeting people, the new guy in a setting where it wasn't so rigid. But that, yeah. that's a couple of things that we've had to curtail a little bit. Okay. So as we wrap it up here, this has been just phenomenal, uh, far exceeded my expectations. Uh, and I, my expectations were pretty high. So I think uh, I appreciate uh, this. But just for the listeners that are out there, they're probably saying, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. How do they get started just putting something like this together and making sure that it, I guess, putting it together, but also just making sure it's followed, making sure it's actually done? Well, like I said, the, the, our first thing was we realized, realize you need to do it. Realize it's important. Realize that if you don't give these people a good base to work off of, they can't build on. So you, you can't just turn them loose and expect them to, 
you know, sponge everything in and be successful. You, you have to give new people a chance at success because no matter how good of a superintendent you are, if you feel overwhelmed by the process, even if you make your way through it, it's going to take much longer. So right. realizing that you have to do it is the first thing. And then, you know, tasking the individual department heads and the individual uh, employees within the system of knowing that they have to do this. You know, even our, our estimator and our tile expediter, they have to develop their own agenda of telling the new people how they fit into the wheel. So I didn't go to my tile expediter and say, go through this script and tell this new guy how you fit into the system. It was, hey, Ray, I want you to develop a, a script to talk to these new people. And it engages them in telling the new person how they fit in and where their roles are. So it not only the new person gets to see how they fit in, but that person that's been here a while gets to define their role and gets to brag a little bit about what they do because they're developing their own agenda to do it. So yep. don't, I, you wouldn't want to take this all on as one person for sure. You want you want to task individual people with with knowing, telling them why you're doing this, what you're doing as a company, why you're doing it this way, and then bringing them in and getting them to buy in on that being a good process and letting them develop their own system to do it. And once you do that, you know it's it's it takes so much pressure off of you to develop the system yourself right. because organically your whole organization is developing. The, the system to do it. And I don't, I don't sit in on the meetings. We don't record the meetings. You know, we're, we're trusting that our, our people are actually, I mean, we do get feedback from the new people, you know, how was your visit with Ray? And Ray, oh yeah, Ray was great. He told me all about how he orders the tile and all this. So we do get feedback on it. It's not a complete, uh, we don't follow up on it at all, but it's, it's just, it's important to let them be part of developing what they want to tell the new people. And so then I think the other part of it is like, if you're hiring a superintendent, you drive the process for that superintendent. If, if the head of sale, if you're by ordering a new salesperson, the head of sales drives that. Okay. Because that, 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 that could be where it falls apart too. It's all set up, wonderful, ready to go, but nobody drives it, I think. Yeah. Department heads are definitely in charge of setting up all those meetings. And the department heads are also, you know, in charge of making sure that the individual people who are they're having the meetings with understand what they're looking for. Right. That's why I, our sales manager, Leslie, will send out this agenda to Ray, our tile expediter, and Debbie, our estimator, and say, this is what they want you to learn. Now, now that we've been doing it a little bit longer, you know, the more people you hire, that it becomes a little bit more repetitive because you understand what sales wants to learn from Ray. Right. Uh, so all those things. So it gets a little bit easier over time. Yep. Well, Chris, uh, thank you so much again. Uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, Going to be right up there on my top 10, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, terrific. Well, yeah. I, I hope it helps. We, you know, like I said, the, the biggest thing for us was realizing we had to do it. And yeah. And it, it definitely, it definitely has helped you. I think it, the six to eight, weeks of training before you even get your first job, you know, you can learn what you would have done in 12 or 14 if you just get dumped out there. So it's, yeah. you know, it's an investment in time, but it just helps everybody 
you know, when you when when new superintendent needs to know where he goes to get, uh, you know, if I'm short on tile, who do I talk to? You know, well, you talk to Ray. You know, you give him his phone number. But in our situation, now he's already met Ray. You know, they've already discussed the process of because Ray can Ray will tell him. You know, when you call because you're short tile, tell me what tile we're short and you know what's the order number and all that. It shortens up that interaction. You just get better better results in a shorter time by putting the time in up front. Okay. So when you said investment, I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going a little longer than we typically <laughs> do, but what, where does the money come from? Is this an overhead expense or is this a, is it, or does it depend on which department it's from? It, it depends on the department. Um, it, it's not a direct overhead. I mean, our, our salaries are, because of the way we pay, part of our salary is direct overhead and part of it is job expense. Um, so, but we really, to be perfectly honest with you, we have not we have not done a study on what this costs us because we think the benefit of it is worth whatever the cost is. So we, we don't begrudge, you know, having a guy that's on a salary spend two months not producing any work because you, you on the other end, they're producing better work, more profitable work quicker. So... I, I really couldn't even tell you what the numbers are, to be honest, but it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's worth it. Whatever it costs, I know it's worth it. And, and with the company longer, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we have a very good retention rate. And, yeah. And my six, as well, six years as, as production manager and director, um, we've lost two superintendents. Uh, one of them moved back to California and one of them, unfortunately I had to let go because he, he, he didn't, he was a great superintendent but he was an island in the stream and he wouldn't assimilate to the culture. And that doesn't work here. You either fit in with the Normandy culture or you, you don't. Um, and probably one of the best mechanics and best technical people I ever had. And it was a doggone shame that we had to let him go. Um, but he just couldn't become part of the culture. So um, I think once, once you learn the culture, people like to stay here. And I think this is part of it. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much, Chris. And uh, we'll, we'll have you back again sometime for another <laughs> just amazing conversation. Thank you. Anytime. I, I you know, I, I like talking about this stuff. And I, I, all the interaction that I get with the people at Remodelers Advantage helps me a ton too. So yeah. I, I don't Great. mind helping a bit. So. Great. Well, thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, 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 Tim. So, Tim, this was, uh, I mean, packed full of a lot of information. It's so important. Chris touched on uh, one of the most important pieces, which was you just have to do it, <laughs> which I think is, but there's so much more detail. Yeah. So I, you know, I hope everybody out there knows I never fake uh, getting excited about something. And so if you think I got excited, I definitely got excited. And like I said earlier, I had I asked Chris to be on because I knew they were doing some great things there. And it really is a model that we need to take seriously as an industry where we teach people what we're doing. We expose them to the culture of the company and then we let them assimilate how we do things. And he, he's right there at the end. He said six to eight weeks that it takes uh, is well worth it. I thought it was, and again, we just threw that last question in about the money. And I thought that was very telling, right? We don't even know how much it costs, but it's worth it, <laughs> right? And so anybody that, you know, and they're making money. So it's, it's incorporated somewhere in their budgets. Obviously it's in there. 
but it's worth it to them to spend that money and get people trained. I don't know. Tim, another another thing is you talk a lot about um, when people use that phrase, it's hard to find good help. Well, this kind of erases this find good help. You find a, you know, a characteristic of a person that you feel fits the team. And from there you make them, a good employee through this onboarding process. Yeah. Hard yeah, to mess and, it and up. I, and, and again, the whole idea of a process, you know, this is a process. This isn't just thrown together because we hired somebody. This is something we do as we're going through. And um, so. That's a great point right yeah. there, because even if it's not as uh, in depth as Normandy, because Normandy is a very large company. If you're a seven, eight person organization, you're bringing people in. It just has to be a process that you follow. It could right. be eight steps. I do think the integration of getting to know all the departments and meeting people yeah. within different departments is huge. We do that yeah, at Remodelers I, I and love, Manage. So I beneficial. I love the agendas. I love, you know, like the department head has an agenda to go through because I've seen, it's kind of like a a client meeting. If you just do a client meeting without an agenda, you're going to forget something really important. And that little thing that you forgot is going to come back and bite you later on. And so you definitely want to have that agenda of like, what is the sales manager going to share with this new lead carpenter or new project manager? What are the important points? And then they get to make it their own a little bit, but these things need to be covered. So, yeah, I don't, you know, Chris said it better than we can, but I'm, I'm just psyched about it. It's fantastic. Great. Well, once again, we want to thank Chris Beck for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.